Welcome to Civil Discourse. I'm Marilyn Brown. And I'm Jamie Wojciechowski. And today we're going to be talking about a couple things, but I first wanted to start off with sharing my shirt that I'm wearing. Um, so let me show that off. So for those of you that are listeners on our podcast, shout out to you guys. Um, it is a blue t-shirt with a big water drop um, graphic on it that says four years forgotten Flint. And so I actually got this shirt, um, little miss Flint, who is an amazing activist. I think she's like 12, 11, like she's really still super young and she's been, um, fighting for Flint and for Flint getting clean water since this happened. And it's now been four years. It was four years, April 24, uh, 24th, that they still do not have clean water. Um, and people are still having to live off of bottled water and bathe in bottled water. Um, meanwhile, the water program that was going on so that people could get bottled water um, for free while they were working on it has been completely stopped, but yet people still don't have clean water, still don't have drinkable water. And so it's still a big issue. Um, and Flint isn't the only place that's dealing with this. And so for me, getting this shirt was just important just to kind of put that out there um, and share that with you guys. So just wanted to share that. And then, um, and also you can continue to support because she's still, she's still buying the shirts and she does a ton of activism in Flint, Michigan for the Flint kids. She does different activities to take kids in Flint um, to do certain things. And so it's really, she's, she's really um, walking the walk at such a young age. And so if you guys want to support her cause, um, you can definitely find her on Twitter at Little Miss Flint and she has her links there. So that's the first thing. Next thing I wanted to talk about is it is Mother's Day on Sunday. And so last year we talked about Mother's Day and I just thought that this was another good time to talk about that because I feel like the just mothers in general and the concept of mother and, and mothering and, and kind of what that looks like is such an important topic. And it's an important part of, I think, everyone's kind of personal journey. And so... So yeah, so I wanted to talk about that today. So I guess my first, I want to actually, I have a quote um, that I wanted to share and then we can kind of discuss that. So this is a quote from Eric Fromm and it's, a mother's love is peace. It is not, it need not be acquired. It need not be deserved. It's very, I mean, it very much talk, speaks to me with uh, the idea that we often talk about of kind of finding a balance, right? in this kind of just beingism, if you, if you will, of, of something just allowing something to just be and not try to control it or feel like there needs to be that we need to add deeper meaning or or to it. It just very much is. Yeah. Yeah. And just allowing something to be and not needing to define it or for it to change it's it's that that love is there it's that that true kind of essence of unconditional love that it just that it just is and i think that's something that we are all kind of seeking but oftentimes have a really hard time actually connecting to mm -hmm. yeah and i th last year i feel like we talked a lot about uh kind of the meaning of the feminine within and I've been thinking a lot lately about uh, that, but also the the traits that we normally attribute to the masculine that is very mother. The the kind of I, I think of um, like a, a, the imagery I, I often see is like a tree and, and the groundedness and the, and the the beauty of it of kind of like uh, just feeding the earth. In, in a way. Um, yeah. And I think that kind of grounded more quote unquote masculine energy of the mother is often overlooked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that oftentimes a mother's love is, is equated to like a softness kind of a, a different kind of energy. And I think a mother's love can definitely have that, that soft kind of, um, nurturing to it but also like you said it's also very stable it's very grounded and and rooted and i also think of a mother's love as as being a there's a fierceness to it you know you think about um 
like a like a mother wolf, you know, kind of that that protective kind of fierceness that that is also a part of that kind of that that mother love. And it's all kind of a part of that whole. But I think we tend to focus on the softer qualities because I think that's considered more feminine. And I think that's kind of a part of the maybe I don't know if it's it's it's, you know, um, part of the kind of patriarchal structure that we that we live in that certain things are not allowed to be a part of that feminine love you know what I mean I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm because it's interesting because I think that they, it's I think that a mother that that mother love is very well-rounded and yet oftentimes we see it as as one way right and I think that's that's a, a cultural thing that happens because when I think in, in comparing like the the idea of mother to the idea of father when you actually look at it the qualities are very similar in in a balanced state um and i think just in dualistic society we try to say well what's the difference and then we try to stick to the differences between them and not really looking at the the similarities and i think especially we're our, our as our culture becomes I guess less gender defined in, in gender roles and gender stereotypes, you now see a lot more merging of those uh, terms um, Mm -hmm. where you say, Oh, the the father and you can equate the same attributes you would normally equate to mother and vice versa, Mm -hmm. which I think is, is a great thing because there is, so much i mean i think in being a a i mean i'm not a parent but just i think the the best kind of parenting in in my experience as uh someone who has been parented is Mm -hmm. when it's balanced and that that energy between masculine and and feminine and and mother and father is kind of in balance Um, yeah because if it's out of balance it can get overwhelming so quickly if it's just overbearing or if it's just nurturing or if it's just this um yeah right right and that balance being present in both parents and so like it's not just that balance of okay i have a mom and so she her job is to be 100 percent, you know have that mother energy and then the father has to be this way but recognizing that actually no that to have the balance and have a father who is comfortable with things that may have been considered typically mothering, like being more affectionate. You know, I think that we're definitely getting away from more, those more, like you said, kind of gender norm, um, gender normative um, expectations. You know, I remember when I was younger that there was a much more kind of negative um, viewpoint of fathers that were affectionate with their sons you know, physically hugging or, or kissing their sons or whatever, and kind of like a, a judgment around that. And and I think I'm definitely seeing a shift that people are getting more comfortable allowing men to be nurturing and that that's actually part of a, that's a part of a wholeness that to really be a balanced man, you know, balanced anybody that you really do have to be able to do both and have, have a connection to both. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, just because, uh, culturally with there being so much uh so many single parents now i think it kind of messes with the the dualistic mindset of a mother and a father and they're being defined roles um because i think even when you ship it away when there's two people and you're if you're in a situation where you're parenting together right you as one in many ways are the whole so not not saying that uh the mother should be a certain way and the father should be a certain way in that dynamic. But as a, as a couple, you can kind of figure out what your dynamic is. And if one person is a, tends to be a little more nurturing, the other person may fill in where that person isn't naturally leaning or whatever. But if you're a single parent, um, I think you need to be able to, I don't think you need to be, I think there's just, there's a, a stigma around it that you are both parents. So I think it's more accepting that it's becoming more accepting that you would have these stereotypical qualities of mother and father, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely think that the, that 
the shift from having more single parents and people recognizing that role and learning what that looks like. Cause I think that, you know, people as, as, as our society and culture has gotten more comfortable with single parents and not marginalizing that as like this strange family that's, you know what I mean? And, and recognizing that this is a part of our norm. I think that definitely that that is shifting and parents are getting more comfortable being looking at both of those roles. And I think, you know, from, from someone who was raised by a single mom, I, I hesitate to, you know, like on, um, to say that my mom was both parents cause she was not both parents. You know what I mean? She, she could not be both parents. I still recognize that I did not have my father there. And yet she did have to fill all of those, those roles and kind of find a way to, to help through that. And then, you know, also there's extended family because I mean, I don't really know any family that like really operates on its own. And so, you know, my uncles and, and, and kind of had support from other family members, which I think is helps with the balance as well. You know, I think that like the more, the more we kind of normalize that, like actually it does take a village and everybody kind of does have different roles to play and that it's really healthy for kids to have close bonds with different family members. I think that like that helps with more of the balance too, because you don't have to just look at one example, because I think the struggle is that a lot of times if there's one example, if you know, your, your father is very, very strict on, um, gender norms and is very like, um, maybe affectionate with his daughters, but not at all affectionate with his sons. It's hard because for that son to learn how to then mother yourself, enough to be healthy and kind of have, you know, healthy relationships and stuff, there's going to have, you're going to have to learn that somewhere else. And so, and I think that that's kind of what, what's been coming up for me thinking about mothering is that really all of us have kind of a, a, a role or a responsibility to ourselves to figure out how we mother, how we love ourselves in that mothering way and that unconditional doesn't matter what you do. There, it doesn't need to be anything to attain it, but that true self-love. And so kind of like what, you know, thinking about what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And, and also how do you do that when maybe there was a disconnect in your own mothering or that relationship or not really having a, you know, ha- or, or the mother's not there anymore, kind of figuring out what that looks like. And so I think that's been a, a struggle for people is figuring out how to love themselves in that way. A definition for, uh, the meaning of of mother on a on I guess a more metaphorical level. As I do that, I always come to uh, thinking about the things we label mother. And the, the interesting thing to me is that we, as a culture, um, tend to label Earth um, one feminine and two mother, the the planet itself. And I think that is there's a idea that uh the mother the feminine is kind of uh life giving um and then the masculine or the the father is life protecting the the lens in which culturally we see when i break it down when i try to break it down in 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 very basic terms um and then it's just interesting to think of that quality of life creating beyond just creating human life creating art or anything that that really can be created um has that mother energy behind it right right and you and yeah i love that and and thinking about it in that way because i think that like we're all mothers of something like we all you know whether it like whatever you're creating like you said some piece of art and you have to love it enough to be willing to bring it into the world and 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 share it and put enough focus on it and so I think that that's it, it expands that idea of motherhood I think in a way that makes it a lot more accessible and kind of recognizing that like motherhood is an energy like it's a creative energy stream it's not really just a physical you know person or 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 something and so when we can kind of look at it that way i think it expands people's experience of what it actually would look like to mother themselves or to feel that connection to something in a mothering way you know i talk to like friends who have, you know, something big that they're working on or a big project and really feeling like this is something that I'm birthing. And I, I, you know, I can definitely connect to that, that that's, 
that is a part of that process. Yeah, and I always try to just on uh, Mother's Day too. I mean, uh, uh, celebrate uh, my own mother and the the mothers in my life, but also look at it and the big picture of kind of mother earth and, and the interconnectedness of the earth. And when you think of it that way, it's, it really is a celebration of everything because the earth is us and everything on it. So by celebrating the mother as represented by nature, it's mm-hmm. really a, a celebration of, of that kind of interconnection that we all share and that energy we all share. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That energy that we share and that energy that nourishes us all that sustains all of us and then nourishes all of us. And that's kind of that same thinking about, you know, a literal mother that at some point you were physically connected to your mother and being nourished by her. And now we're physically connected to the earth and being nourished by the earth at all times. And that that's something that we're all connected, every, every living thing, every plant, every per, you know, and that, that, yeah, that's a pretty, like, when you think about that way, it's like, wow. It kind of blows my mind, you know. It's nice to think about it, too, because, I mean, in our current society, we're separated from uh, that awareness, I think, a lot of times. Um, I I just think it's not you don't think about it daily of the the connection Mm -hmm. to the earth and that literally it is the planet that is nourishing us. It's very easy to kind of feel separate, separate from it. Um, So it's both humbling and very. I think spiritual and, and very uh, mindful to mm-hmm. kind of just take some time to, to really reflect on that. At least it is for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that reflecting on that, I think is one of the ways that, you know, we feel less lonely in this world. You know, there was a, a UCLA study um, recently came out that said like, I can't remember the numbers right now, um, but that, loneliness is up that people are really feeling very very lonely and there's like a 30 percent increase in depression right now and i think that 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 loneliness comes from this feeling of really being disconnected that a lot of us you know it's like we have we're connected through the internet we're constantly talking to people but yet we're actually very feeling very disconnected and so i think that that you're right when we actually can find a way to, cause I think it, it has to be an authentic connection for you and whatever that is. So if meditating on it is what kind of brings you to that place where you can really kind of recognize that connection and feel it, then that's what works. But if for you, you need to go outside and like sit under a tree and you know what I mean? And experience it that way, but whatever it takes for you to kind of remember that, that we're all connected to this planet and we're all being nourished at the same time. And that, 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 that mirrors our, our family connections and our, our life and kind of that, that really what I do does actually influence you and, and how I show up in the world does matter to people that are thousands of miles away from me. I think that that really can help combat that feeling of loneliness and, and help kind of, kind of be a way to kind of be a salve on that. Yeah. And it's interesting too, though, the different ways you can do that. Cause we're talking about mindfulness or going out in nature, but for me also, uh, I'm I'm very intellectual, and science has really been able to do that for me. Really, looking at science and and learning new things, you you see more and more of the interconnection and how things work. Um, kind of on that note, uh, I saw Tully uh, last week, um, and it's it's a, a movie about a. Uh, woman who uh is having her third child um and is really uh struggling to uh just cope with raising her kids and and life balance and all all this stuff but uh she gets a night nanny um and there's this recurring theme with the night nanny which i don't even know if it's if it's this is scientifically factual but it, it doesn't really matter uh one of the comments is about how um, she makes a comment about how the when you give birth, the baby's cells stay within you for uh, years. Um, and then there's another uh, reference to uh, they go back to the woman's uh, old home in, in New York City. And there's a comment about how, oh, you haven't even gone long enough for your 
for your your atoms are still spread out in this area like parts of you are literally in the air still um and i think just think it like it, it's interesting because when i hear it it's it sounds very like hippy dippy you know like ooh, i'm still part of this thing but then the science behind it, it's like no that that is true i mean we're constantly shedding cells and, and setting shedding parts of ourselves that plants and other other beings are feeding on and are becoming part of other things that the earth is growing um and it just it's kind of a beautiful reminder of that interconnection and that that life process that never ends because we often think of right if you're thinking about mother being this life creator then you think well what's the life destroyer right if you're going to go to the opposite but there for me there doesn't really need to be one if life is a is a constant process and yes things by our definition die but death comes a new creation so in the in the cycle of it it's a cycle of life it's not a cycle of death if that makes sense right it's a creation cycle that's constantly feeding itself and so in that recognition that we don't die like we just get kind of absorbed back into that new cycle is yeah i think like that it's pretty like it, it, it's one of those things that again we don't really we don't spend time to like think about that. But I think like yeah, when you talk about how in that movie how she just kind of pointed out that like there's parts of us that are still scattered in all of these places and that we leave ourselves everywhere we go. I think that that again kind of just brings me to a place of feeling more responsible for what I'm leaving and what I'm doing. And you know, I mean, it's like I guess like you don't necessarily like have control over the cells that you're leaving in that way. But like, I also feel like the energy is left behind as well. And so I'm very mindful of like kind of what kind of energy I'm leaving in spaces. And, and, you know, I mean that it's, it's, I think the more we, the more we can recognize how much we're, how much of a part we actually do play, I think it helps us to just kind of be a little bit more mindful about how we, walk on this planet right yeah and it's always this this whole kind of topic now has always just been something that uh really fascinates me both intellectually and kind of spiritually because uh i'm i'm often asked uh by all different kinds of spiritual people religious people like what i believe in as after death or, or do I believe in heaven? Do I believe in reincarnation? What do, what, what is it? And for me, it's like, I never know how to answer that question because I don't feel a need to believe in anything because I think the science of what happens to our bodies is the most amazing thing I could think of. Like I can't, the whole idea of the, the the process of creation that we will decompose and and the earth will use our nutrients to to grow plants and to feed new beings and that part of our molecules and our cells will actually become other living things mm-hmm. in an endless cycle is is to me the most amazing thing i can think of like when i think of and this is totally personal just me when i think of like the idea of where what happens to your soul or if there is a soul like none of that in my mind compares to the the beauty and the i this this the beauty of the science of what happens to our bodies so i have a lot of comfort in that there's no need to to believe in more and i'm not saying that there is more i'm not saying that there's not i just because i find so much comfort just in the the science we know about it mm-hmm. i just don't have a need to believe more or, or feel like I need to know more beyond that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that is so fascinating. I love that. Like, I haven't ever thought about it that way because, like, people don't ask me that question. I wish people would ask me that question because, like, I'm on the complete other end. I believe in everything. Like, I, I, I believe, like, when people ask what you believe, I believe in everything. And so, but, and so there's never been, it's never really been a question to me of like, is there or isn't there? Like, I've just always kind of had this deep awareness that like, 
of course there is, and all these things are true, and everybody's, you know, stories are true, but I, I love the way you look at it in that way, and it, it just, for you, it's like, it's not even, you don't even need to go there, like, you don't even really need to consider that, because just what happens that we know about is so amazing, you know, and is so eternal, and kind of shows that, like, eternal cycle that we're still constantly being, like, recycled into the pro into the process right. but yeah that's interesting but yeah i wish i wish people would ask me that question so i could say i believe in everything yeah people ask me that strangely all a lot um but i think it's just because i yeah i'm very i don't know i don't know why i think it's just because i make it very clear kind of where I stand, but I'm not all, I'm also not judgmental. Right. That's what I was going to say. So then they get curious. Right. That's what I was going to say. People can tell you're not judgmental, you know? And so they're like, what's he, what's this about? Yeah. And and at the same time, it's like, that's just me. I mean, I tell, I, I'll explain that to people and people are just like, yeah, that does not give me any comfort whatsoever. Like believing this other thing does. And I'm like, well, if that's, your self-care and is doing that and that actually helps you feel more centered and, and be more confident and, and do the things you need to do like right you gotta do it, it. Like, yeah. you boo yeah yeah like that wouldn't work for me you know but again like I, I got here with a completely different perspective on it and like I was kind of always just like believing and, and seeing things that that furthered that for me and so it, it yeah so it's like that wouldn't work for me but that's because that's not how I was built yeah so but I think recognizing that like everybody has to like it's got to work for you you know and so like that's I think the important part I think a lot of times like organized religion is 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 exclusive and can be very judgmental about other belief systems and it's like I've just kind of always had this, well, what works for you to not, to live a good life and be a good person and not be like shitty to other people. <laughs> it's yeah. just kind of like whatever that belief system is for you, then do you. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, for me, it's just the only thing I, I find is that it's important to realize that it's a belief system, right? right? Versus you think, I think where the struggle comes in when you think, you're right and everybody else is wrong because right. that that tends to no longer serve you as as uh nurturing and, and motherly mm -hmm. that that's tends to, to lead you to being uh judgmental and creating an other which i think is very counter to the idea of of mothering um and right. nurturing yeah and creating because uh, mm -hmm. i mean all those things can exist together like the 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 science that we can see can mm -hmm. be there and someone can believe something another person can believe that um as long as we're all clear on i don't know if you guys are right or wrong i'm just saying i just see what we can see and i'm happy with that and you guys want to come up with go with what you believe and we can all coexist because we're not actually countering anything as long as we understand that it's belief yeah right or right. and i think yeah. on the other side too is it's me it's someone who is very intellectual and into the science is also acknowledging that just because we know this theory doesn't mean we've answered all the questions mm. yes right so yeah. it's it's because i see that a lot of time too as people who are more uh, lean towards the the science want to use the science to disprove people um, mm -hmm. and try to claim that the, the science is kind of already finite and it, it's still not. Right, we're right. Still, we're science. still learning. There's still more to explore. So, exactly. but yeah, the, the issue then comes with when people are presenting, uh, I think, b belief as, as fact. And then people who are more on the, 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 what you can see here side then come back with the facts and present them in a way that tries to negate what the the believer is believing even if it does or does not so then it ends up there ends up being no communication there's no nurturing there's no anything right. it's just 
a fight. Yeah, 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 no, that's true. I think that, like, that that point about how kind of science plays into it is 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 important because, yeah, the science is constantly evolving, and so is that information. And, I mean, stuff that I learned in science class, like, back when I was in school is, you know, they, they, they've learned and they've expanded these things. And so, like, I think any belief system that you have, you have to, again, like you said, have that awareness that it is a belief system and be able to recognize that that's one belief system and not, not everything, whether it like, whether it's science or whether it's your faith that you grew up learning, you have, you know, having that awareness, which I think comes with mindfulness, you know, and, and practicing that of having that awareness that that's one belief system and that that's your lens. And it is interesting to me that I find that, uh, the qualities that make a good scientist or intellectual is often the same qualities that I, for me, make a good believer. And that is uh, there being a, a solid level of skepticism and curiosity. Yeah. Um, because when you look at science, like science starts as a belief and then right. prove that belief, mm-hmm. right? right? You do it over and over until, oh, this happens every time. So this is now fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and it I think, with belief. right. And I think it's, it's dangerous on any level when you, uh, kind of double down and, and the belief there's no longer the curiosity within it. Um, mm-hmm. because then it, it shuts you down mm-hmm. to any other possibilities. Right. Yeah. I like how I somehow found a way to bring the mother back into the conversation. I yeah, no, I know. Like... That was good. Yeah, no, that was good. Because, it, it, I mean, it does, it, it worked. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even realize I was doing it until I was like, oh, that was good. Like, that's a good job. Good on me. Back <laughs> around. Yeah. But I do think that, you know, going back to how do we how do we connect to that mother within ourselves and how do we, how do we learn how to mother ourselves? I think that's something that like, I feel like there's more of a, what's the word? I, there's a cultural shift kind of happening. Like there's a consciousness shift happening where I think we're starting to value those mothering characteristics a lot more and kind of recognizing that they're important and then we can't like divorce ourselves from them and take them out of, business and out of things that are that are important and, and and recognizing that that's those are powerful qualities to have and to hone and to connect to and so i i feel like there's something shifting and i'm excited about it because i think that those qualities are not as um marginal they're 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 not being as marginalized in the way that they used to be of like you know i just kind of remember the that like attitude in the 80s of like you know um women in the women in the office and kind of having to like wear the shoulder pads and like, you know, just kind of like have that like fear of like, you know, being, if you, you react to something or have an emotional reaction, people saying you're on your period or something like that, you know, and recognizing like that, no, there's, there's so much strength that lies within the mother and in mothers and in motherhood. And then that, that's actually, if we can connect to that wholeness that we're as a whole more powerful. And, and healthier, you know, and, and, and more nourished. Because again, there's that nourishing that happens from the mother. You know, you think about the umbilical cord and that nourishment that you get from the mother. And it's like, how do we nourish ourselves? Because I feel like we haven't been nourishing ourselves in that way. It's more kind of like, okay, be, be tough and like, you know, kind of like that, like just a different attitude. And I think we have to like, we've got to nourish ourselves and love on ourselves in a very mothering way. So... Yeah, it's with, I think, uh, 100% there's a shift. And I think it, I think we're seeing kind of the, uh, these energies that, that we've labeled the gender part of them are kind of starting to be broken down. Um, And it's interesting because uh, I'm producing this, uh, this action fantasy web series. um, And uh, we have a new production company that's doing it. And the main part of our production company, uh, our goal is to create uh, what we call gender equal action fantasy films. 
So the idea is it's it's weird to explain because you you are assigning a gender in the way we explain it, but the whole purpose is that we are creating worlds that have transcended this issue. So within the storytelling, there is no genderism. Like yes, people are are gendered. It's not like oh everyone's trying to be gender neutral or anything like that. Right. It's just that in, in these worlds, the genders are completely equal. And nothing is, it's expected that they're equal. It's just, there is no commentary. And I always say the big example is in a lot of, uh, I think we've gone, uh, moved forward a lot. But even in Wonder Woman, it was Wonder Woman surrounded by a bunch of men who were like, oh, wow, look at this. Look at her. Do these things. Right. Um, And I think we saw a shift in Black Panther because it wasn't like that. It was kind of just the the norm until they came into our i guess our society and then right. there was a little bit of it mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. in right. creating Congo it was intentionally not yeah, yeah. Go ahead. it's it's just interesting trying to create that world and to see uh what that to just think a while because it's not the world we live in of how that would look and what what that means for how people uh interact um Mm -hmm. and how you uh, build a build a character who is a a gendered being um and how that how the the energies and how how they present themselves in an environment where they can really be whoever they want to be because it's also not just about women being equal to men it's about men not feeling like they have to be hyper masculine and above women so in it men are able to also be free to express themselves in the way that feels natural to them Mm -hmm. um so it's just an an interesting it's it's an interesting thing to be trying to to create and also trying to show because in it it's also not a part of the story so it's not something it's not something we're like we're making a statement about gender equality in our thing it's just okay here's a story where there's these warriors who mm-hmm. live in this world and gender is just not an issue mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right and so it's like the how do you take it like how do you make it not a part of it but still get, you have to kind of look at how much it's woven into everything and then take that out without making that what the story's about right and i think too it's interesting living in a culture where that is not the case um, and seeing the things that people project yes. um, on two things mm-hmm. because uh, we've only released the, the first webisode, which is like seven minutes. And um, it was so and, good, by the way. Oh, I have to like shout. Glad you mentioned it because you guys need to check it out on YouTube. So good. Isles um, of Ember. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's just uh, interesting. The reactions we're getting, cause some people see it right away and other people uh, think that we've actually had people think that it's too gendered um, and that the roles are too, too stereotypical, which is, uh, Interesting. Interesting. But it's also, I can see why people would think that because um, it's, it's the problem. It, I, it's similar to what happened with Amy Schumer's um, movie where people were outraged by the trailer. Have you seen this? I saw the trailer. Is this where she like, what's it called? Like, it's the, the one where she's like, all of a sudden thinks she looks different yeah, than she so does. She gets, she gets injured she gets and then. Knocked in the like, head. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so people were people were kind of outraged about when the trailer came out about like, oh, you're trying to say that a woman only can think she's beautiful if she gets if she knocks herself out and has a concussion, um, and it's like, okay, well, you're making a judgment without even seeing the context of this full world they're creating, and when you see the movie, it literally has nothing to do with that, and uh, when you see the movie, they never actually show what she's seeing in the mirror when she thinks she's beautiful. So people keep saying, oh, she thinks she's a supermodel, all these things. And it was like, yeah, but your your biases are are putting on her what you think she's seeing. You, right. you have no idea what she's seeing. And I think that's a huge point mm-hmm. of the film. 
Um, and that's kind of with ours too. It's like you see why these characters are the way they are because when you're introduced to their their parents and and their environment. Um, but it's it's just interesting to see people like projecting their own biases onto uh-huh. uh, something so early, which is I think I mean we talk about that all the time that that's yeah. kind of what we love to do as a society. people's favorite thing. Yes, we, we <laughs> love it. We love it. We see a little tiny bit and we're outraged. Yeah, so. it's just interesting in talking about because when you have the 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 whole point of me even bringing this up was I think what makes it fun to create is we're open to talking about all these things for every character. So it's Mm. not like we're just talking about Ember and we're like, how do we bring the mother to Ember and like all these feminine things where we're talking, well, if this is gender neutral, how do we make her have masculine energy and how do we make her have feminine energy and how do we balance it? Or is it out of balance? And because Mm -hmm. of that, it's something else. And the same with my character, Cypress, it's not, Mm -hmm. Ooh, he's just this masculine warrior. It's how, how does he, how does he incorporate the feminine and, and express himself in a genuine way for what he went through in a world where he's not expected to be a certain way because of his gender. Right. He's expected right. to be a certain way because of the expectations of his role within the society, mm-hmm. but not because he is uh, a man. Right. 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 And I think with that, like I could see like that, that has to kind of come out more. Cause I mean, like you said, it was like a seven minute. And so you kind of see that there's something different about the roles in it, but I could see how people could go one end or the other, because it's like, you haven't really gotten enough of the characters to kind of see more of them. And again, again, like our intent, it's also interesting and, and just talking about it. Cause it's the hot button issue now. So everyone wants to talk about it, but it's weird mm-hmm. in this because they often we get labeled as this female empowerment type thing. And it just, and, and I get it when you're looking at it through the lens of our culture, it has <laughs> right. a strong female main character, but mm-hmm. in what we're trying to do, it's not female empowerment because it's not, we're, we're just telling a story about characters who are all strong and right. not defined by their gender. So to then define her by her gender seems kind of, off what we're trying to do but when you look at it through the cultural lens it makes sense so it's just very difficult yeah exactly that's what i was gonna say is that through our lens that that's exactly what what happens and so you see how like our our macro lens distorts even when like you look at it even just i was because when you were talking about that i was just thinking about feminism in general you know and the 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 definition of feminism is not like women are overtaking men and like going to be more powerful it's just equality it's that women have the same opportunities and are are not you know um just that that just there's equality between the sexes but a lot of that that fear is that it's going to go too far or that you know it's going to knock the other gender off and so i think you kind of see that with this fear of oh well so is this like a fully woman-centered production and you know and it's like it's not even about that it's just about people but when we try to make things that are just about people people feel like it's too much right it's it's shaking up the the apple cart which is similar to like what happens when people bring more diversity to roles and have more inclusivity with you know in writers rooms and on news you know news productions people get really upset on like cnn if don lemon has more than like two pe- two black people on at a time because then all of a sudden there are like three black people on their screen and people are like it's this bet and it's like no like black people are here in the world and so you kind of see how that happens like we're here every day why you know why does there have to be one and that's okay and so you kind of see that like this is what happens when people are trying to bring the marginalized fully into the room, into the discussion, into every part of the process, people, the, the, the non-marginalized group tends to freak out. Yeah. There's also, it's interesting too, because a lot of times the, the marginalized group tends to freak out as well. Um, and I think a big problem with me as an, uh, as an artist, um, which I've accepted, but it just always bothers me is when you are, I guess, telling a story about marginalization in any way, which I think most good stories do. Um, 
there's there's a responsibility. I guess people want you to have this responsibility that I don't think one person should have. Right. Um, and I'll give an example. Oh. Uh, I love Simon came out, which was mm-hmm. about the um, high school boy who comes out as gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, I don't want to say backlash. There was a lot of commentary about how he was too masculine and he didn't represent the, this type of gay person over here and this type over here. And, and I'm like, I, I get where that, that comes from because as a marginalized group, there's not enough representation to represent everybody. So right. that when they see the very rare instance of someone who is supposed to represent them on screen and it doesn't fully represent them, they feel like, well, why wasn't I represented? Right. I understand that. But it's also, I mean, it, it can't be the creator's job to represent every single person in that community with one character. I mean, right. this is, it's one character having one experience, like one human, like mm-hmm. as, as and often, any person. Yeah, go ahead. Right. And oftentimes it's coming from one person's experience or one person's story that inspired that. And so to kind of have that expectation, I think that you're right, that we do see that, but it's really not realistic and people need to be responsible for telling the story that they're choosing to tell, but not kind of expected to tell everybody's, you know, tell every facet of, of that story. Cause it's just not, it's just not possible, you know, but yeah. I do think that the, that's why we need more stories told. And that's why it's so important that we have multiple different, you know, stories being told about different marginalized groups from different voices and different perspectives and different socioeconomic status and everything so that we can start to see a more representative you know, more representative media that, that, that people can like see themselves in. Yeah. And I think as artists, it's just important to fight through that because that's my Mm -hmm. issue with the whole female empowerment thing. It's not that I necessarily don't like care if it's labeled female empowerment or not. I'm telling the story I want to tell with my writing partner, who's a female. Um, But it's the idea that, Oh, if it's labeled that there's then going to, we're going to have this responsibility to represent Mm -hmm female empowerment which is not what which is actually not the focus of what we're doing right Um, uh so it's often talking myself with like if we're labeled that that's that and if there's noise but that's not what we're actually trying to do we're telling about we're trying to write a story about this human where at times she's going to be incredibly weak and at times she's going to be incredibly strong because that's what a human is and when we're attacked because we're showing a weak woman and and on mm-hmm. screen and people think that she should be strong in that in that instance is reminding ourselves that well this is just one person it's not representing how every female would behave in this scenario right right and it's that much more important to kind of stick to your center of what you guys are trying to do because it can be easy to be swayed by well it, you know it's too much this or it's too much that kind of recognizing like that no this is it's not meant to be anything other than what we, you know what I mean? What we were inspired to do. Cause I could see how that kind of feedback and just kind of that, like caught, not necessarily causing to change anything, but just kind of question like how you are approaching that whole process. And I think the discourse is, I mean, I, as a, as an artist, I try not to let the discourse uh, make me second guess myself, but mm-hmm. I also appreciate it because Okay, so I'm I made this episode where sh- this woman is weak in the scenario, and people are outraged. Well, now I hope because there was outrage, someone else goes makes another film with a woman who behaves differently in that scenario, because that's what it it should be. There should be five hundred films of women going through a similar thing, behaving completely differently because they have different life experiences and are are different, unique human beings. Um, and then I think once we have that, then that that demand or that expectation kind of goes away. Because I mean, you don't you don't have that around white men in film. Like, oh, why that white dude respond that way? Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah no, it's like, like white dudes in films get to be whatever kind of dude. <laughs> yeah, going to be he's going to be that dude. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, we're working on it. You know, I really think there's like an artistic, creative revolution happening right now where people are really like sharing more, 
just more honest art, more authentic art, more diverse art. Like I'm so excited right now about like just the art that's coming out and what people are making. So, yeah, I mean, it's just more accessible than ever to put your art out there and for people to actually see it. Um, And I think that stops it from being overly controlled by corporations and powers that be deciding what the masses should and should not see um, like it used to be. It's just, yeah. Makes a big difference. As much like that. Right. Yeah. Well, this discussion started with mothers and then talking about, (laughs) talking about art and creating, which again is, is a mothering process, like art and creating something and bringing something into the world is like, you've got a mother and you've got to love the heck out of that thing to like, you know, do it and complete it and share it. So. Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, for the second uh, episode in it, uh, we introduce our mother. So we've been having a lot of discussions on, on, who she is and 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 how story how to create because we've been introduced to me and and the the lead character um who are siblings so Mm -hmm. kind of seeing oh how do we create this woman who's their mother when we've already seen who they are and Mm -hmm. they're both incredibly Mm -hmm. strong characters so Mm -hmm. how do you represent the strength they're both showing in one being one person um, right which is super fun that sounds she's so badass (laughs) i'm excited to see it it's really good all right well happy mother's day everybody to all the mothers out there and people who are either have their mother missing their mother whatever your relationship with your mother just love on you on that day and really kind of keep that in mind. I think every day, like, how can I, how can I nourish myself? How can I mother myself right now? I think that's so important and we all need that medicine right now. So I would say my homework uh, is just to on mother's day, no matter where you are and what your connection to mother is, uh, just take a couple minutes to self reflect on what it, means to you um and how you can uh i guess expand mother out into your surroundings and into the world and and create more of that energy because i feel like that's a type of energy that there's never too much of mm-hmm. yeah i love that awesome okay. well have a great mother's day everybody and we will see you next week <laughs>